Lawrence Barlow, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. And yes, that background noise is that the podcast has been invaded by my two small children. Nothing I can do about it. So you'll have to bear with me today. To today's show, we start with a discussion of the latest from the January the 6th show trial. It's become crystal clear that the strategy isn't to put Trump in handcuffs. It's actually to make sure he runs for president because the Democrats think they can beat him by running the with the campaign slogan, orange man bad can you picture it on bumper stickers then we get into our slate of business and economic news and a typically spicy series of stories uh in our woke update and then i get into the proposed gun control that even republicans are supporting which is not good our guest today is entrepreneur influencer veteran and magazine cover boy colin wayne he's truly one of the most interesting americans that i can think of and he gives a first-hand account of how his business or his uh, biggest business is dealing with the Biden inflation and the energy crises and then our caller of the day let's get into it with the January the 6th committee hearings, which had their second day yesterday. It was during the day, and I will tell you that, and believe it or not, with my current schedule of uh, 700 million uh, children and running a newsroom and having a radio show, The Crack of Dawn, um, I did not have a chance to watch nearly as much as I did the primetime one, which is sort of ironic. Um, so the primetime one will have a lot higher ratings. And even though this one yesterday was during the, the work day, I didn't get to watch as much. So I don't have quite as comprehensive of an analysis. But I have to say, I was very supr- pleasantly surprised that I got a lot of good feedback on our show Friday, which is also the Breitbart News Daily podcast, where I spent 20 minutes breaking down the first Friday, the, the first hearing, which is in primetime. Um, and I thought I was going to get much more hate mail than I was wasting time. But I think when people heard why I think this hearing is taking place and what the real agenda is, I think people had uh, that uh, the old old timey cartoon light bulb go off in their heads. Um, and I'll tell you, my analysis got even more. My main takeaway became even more clear to me with what little I watched and what I uh, read also about yesterday's hearing. Uh, particularly when I read was probably the maybe the major takeaway, which is Congressman Benny Thompson indicating that he is not going to make any criminal referrals based on the hearings. So uh, he, this is the guy who's in charge. He says up to the DOJ to decide whether or not to pursue criminal prosecutions. Um, and even people like Bill Barr, who people who are watching the hearings, uh, Trump attorney general, uh, who has certainly not been helpful to Trump during these hearings, uh, has made clear that he doesn't think he sees any crimes that are going on. Um, Liz Cheney, who is just on the absolute rampage, is says uh, she doesn't know. Maybe there will be criminal referrals, um, but she does seem like she's on just the uh, the the she's on the absolute warpath right now. Um, and I will mention a couple other examples of that. But she's now actually turned. Um, the January 6th committee on a top aide to her primary opponent in Wyoming. So uh, she's obviously using whichever power she can. She's flexing whatever she can while she can and before she's voted out in November, which will which will be inevitable. Um, but then we'll see where she goes from there. I know a lot of people would like to see her cause problems for Republicans in other ways, and I'm guessing she'll be inclined to do it at some point. 
Um, but here, but the major takeaway is that as far as we know, the point of this is not to put anyone in jail, not to get anyone handcuffs, not to get anyone orange jumpsuits. And so I thought, so why are we doing this again? Trump's been impeached twice. Trump lost the election. And uh, Trump is uh, generally seems to be much more wrapped up in what happened in um, 2020 and January of 2021 and less about what's happening in America in 2022 and 2024. So uh, the, the Democrats should be pretty happy with where things are at right now with with regards to Trump. But no, not good enough. They need to continue to remind him that orange man bad. And that does appear to be the main point of these hearings, is to remind people exactly that Orange Man is bad. Now, what, why would they be doing that? Um, and I'll have you know, I'm not the only one with that exact take. Jonathan Turley, who's generally pretty good, who's a top legal analyst and not a person of the right, he's a constitutional scholar, um, but though he is not a leftist, so he does show up on Fox from time to time, but uh, he's not a person of the right. He's just simply, he, he's anti-left. Um, but he thinks that the Democrats are trying to convict Trump of being a terrible person. I think um, I think his writers could work on that one because they're trying to convict the orange man of being bad. That's what they're trying to do. That is the that is what they're trying to do. So why are they trying to do that? And I was thinking, are they trying to take out Trump so Trump doesn't run in 2024? Uh, uh-uh, that's not it. It's the opposite. They're actually trying to goad Trump to run in 2024 because they know he's going to be the easiest person to beat in the general. Now, I'm, I'm not telling you guys to not vote for Trump in a primary or anything like that. In fact, if Trump decides to run in a primary, it, it, there seems to be almost no chance of stopping him. I'm acknowledging that flat out. But I am telling you that if they're going to say they don't want Trump in jail, then what do they think Trump is going to do if he's not in jail based on this? What do you think Trump supporters are going to feel after they've watched him become the victim? And he is the victim yet again of another political witch hunt. They're going to hope that he runs and then he wins and he kicks some butt and he might well kick butt because look at how the country's going. So that continues to be my position. And even more so when I learned that the point is not to get Trump in handcuffs. When the guy who's in charge of the committee says flat out, we don't want Trump in handcuffs, which I took to me, we want Trump to run for president of the United States again win his primary, and then be the most vulnerable imaginable so that the Democrats can run against Trump because they have nothing to run on. They have no accomplishments to run on. Um, though the Republicans did give them a little bit of a boost with passing some basic gun controls, uh, which we can get into in a little bit. Um, but it, it is, for the most part, they don't have, the, the, what are they going to run on? The, the Afghanistan pullout that led to the uh, the the Americans dying and getting stranded and then the inadvertent droning of children? Are they going to run on that? No. Are they going to run on the economy, which the data keeps getting worse, which I will read the latest in a little bit um, in the opening of the show? Are they going to run on, on passing accomplishments like Build Back Better, which has not been passed? They have nothing to run on. They didn't unify the country. They didn't uh, get the economy roaring back. They didn't stop the virus. They have nothing to run on. So their dream is to run against Orange Man Bad or the Bad Orange Man. That's why they're doing this. To remind everyone that America would be regressing. And in a way we would, even if Trump is the best candidate and maybe you think he is, maybe I'll think he is by the end. The primary isn't even happening if there is one. But it is a step backwards towards thinking about 2020. That's the way they're framing it and towards an era uh, where this stuff is nonstop. 
It also is going to have an ancillary effect of reminding people who would join the Trump administration who are competent that you're going to get dragged into this stuff and you're going to spend a lot of your time uh, debating nonsense, which is a bullying tactic, I think, and is entirely unfair and is, I would have thought that is beneath this country, but it's not beneath this country anymore. This is how this country behaves in general. Other crucial takeaways, an intoxicated Rudy Giuliani wanted Trump to declare victory on election night. Um, I had someone text me when they saw this headline. Um, they, they, they texted me, Rudy Giuliani was drunk on election night, dot, 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 same, meaning I was drunk too, to which I replied to that person, yeah, but you, you weren't supposed to be in charge of the, of the election integrity efforts on behalf of the President of the United States that night. So not exactly an apples-to-apples apples comparison. I mean, you guys know I've been entirely unimpressed with Rudy Giuliani um, ever since he joined Trump's team, whenever that was. And this does not surprise me at all that this is the case. And I'm just noting that. I'm not noting that he's not wrapped up in a witch hunt, which he is. But uh, not impressed with that call and not impressed if he was loaded on election night instead of being focused on the country. Um, Trump raised $250 million off of the election uh, stop the steal claims. And that it's still a mystery where that money went. This is something that I have uh, noted on the broadcast in the past. And I would like to see better accounting of this. I think this would be beneficial to Trump, his supporters. Um, because so many of you in this audience, I'm sure, donated to this effort. The based off of the um, Save America PAC, which was supposed to use this um, to challenge the Biden victories in various areas. And there's not been a lot of accounting to this. And someone from the January 6th, someone named Amanda Wick, who is a senior investigative counsel, has dug into it and was not able to determine that this money was spent towards election integrity issues. And in fact, the claimed official election defense fund, which was in emails, apparently does not exist at all. There's nothing official. It was all marketing to donate to a Trump-related PAC, which is just more details than something we already knew. And perhaps all of you have forgiven Trump of this, but they are setting out the playbook of what will come up in 2024. And this will be used to try to get people who are on the fence about voting for Trump to stay home. Um, and I am curious if you donated to that and you're wondering where your money went, and perhaps you remember that I brought this up on the show a long time ago that I wanted to know where all that money went. And now we know the money has not gone to election integrity issues, which again, we knew that, but it's a reminder that that's what's taking place. So those seem to be the big ones. Um, it seems to be what's happening is you're trying to drive a wedge between uh, semi-competent people uh, and Trump himself on occasions where the semi-competent people are having a very hard time because they are pushed into fighting with Trump on X, Y, or Z issue. And then they're trying to take people who look semi to totally insane, whether or not they are or not, but the way they're perceived in the media be it Rudy Giuliani, be it the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers, and say they're the ones who are with Trump all the time. 
So that's the tactic. Now you can accept it or not, but the, but they're doing this and they're doing this with a purpose. And that purpose is not to get Trump in handcuffs, but is to make sure that Trump runs and wins a primary and then is someone who they have at least a small chance of beating in 2024. Because of course, someone with Trump's exact policies, but someone who does not have that type of baggage is going to have a massive advantage um, over anyone the Democrats put up. And by the way, they're trying to push Joe Biden aside as well. I mentioned Axios had a big piece indicating that um, uh, I think David Gergen, who was a former, uh, was David Gergen Clinton or he was, I think he was with Republicans at some point. He'd been around for so long. I think he, maybe, was he a Reagan guy? David Gergen was someone who was seen as a centrist and then ended up being kind of like a left-wing guy on CNN. Um, but he was, he put out a big thing about how all, everyone's too old. This has been a popular talking point. That everyone's too old uh, between Trump and Biden and we need some fresh blood. As if the problem is the age. I mean, it doesn't help Biden, his age. Trump seems incredibly sharp. I don't think age is a, is a factor with Trump. I think it's Trump is just Trump. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, Gergen put out that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't like all the boomers. He thinks um, Fauci's too old, 81. Pelosi's 82. Schumer's 71. Mitch McConnell's 80. Everyone's too old. That's the point. I don't think it's age, though. I don't, I really don't. I think it's values. I think the values have gotten off off base, and it, that happens when you become the establishment and you're in power for too long. So, I will know that there there are op eds in both Murdoch publications that are, I guess, his most famous American ones: New York Post, Wall Street Journal, suggesting it's time to move on from Trump. Um, these are papers that have been largely helpful to Trump, though Murdoch is. I don't think is a particularly big Trump fan, as far as I can tell. Um, Rupert Murdoch, the uh, media mogul extraordinaire. It doesn't seem like, even though he's probably in general a free speech guy and has more in common with conservatives than liberals, um, I don't get the impression he's a big Trump guy, but uh, both of his major American papers put out op-eds saying it's time to move on from Trump. You know, I'm not saying this to say I agree. I'm saying this merely to point out this is the playbook that is out there and we're going to witness it for the rest of the week. Um, other big stuff that's happening, it's election day today, so we will have live coverage at brightport.com tonight and then I will do a breakdown of whatever is interesting in the morning. And also tomorrow morning, we are going to get more Supreme Court decisions. So Supreme Court typically makes decisions on Monday. Um, I think they're kind of test driving Juneteenth as a federal holiday this year, which I think pretty much everyone was into. I think Trump was into it and then Biden's into it. And I don't think they've really tried to do the whole federal holiday deal where you get to barbecue on Mondays because something happened important a long time ago. Um, something I detest about this country that we've made almost all meaningful holidays, just a chance to get loaded an extra day on the weekends. Um, not to be overly judgmental, but that's not really the point of these things. But uh, the Juneteenth, which of course falls on a Sunday, which is kind of funny because we're trying to make it a federal holiday then it shows up on a weekend. Um, so Monday, I think the 20th is going to be a holiday for a lot of people. So there'll be no Supreme Court decisions until the 21st. So typically it's Monday. So they're doing a Monday, Wednesday release this week. Long story short. So we're going to get Supreme Court cases tomorrow. 
Um, no blockbusters yesterday. Uh, we will catch up on those, I'm sure, at some point during the week. But we're still waiting on the Dobbs case, which is the one that challenges potentially Roe v. Wade. All right, to the economic news, we shall go. Gas prices reached a record high for a 16th day. I'm sure that shocks none of you. Um, 58 cent increase over the last month in Biden's America. Thanks, Putin. Um, and it has surpassed uh, $5, according to AAA, 5.014. Mid-grade gas, 5.391 and 5.685. For premium, diesel's at 5.770, which is a record high. So this is a big, we'll cover all of it for you at Breitbart. Um, Brent crude, the global benchmark for that the U.S. prices tend to trend with, was down actually for oil, about 1.86%. Um, and West Texas intermediate crude futures were also down. So I guess that's uh, maybe, maybe we might get a little bit of a breather coming up. But uh, not good, and I think the prices are going to continue to go up. The brace off of all of our prognostications um, that we're collecting at Breitbart with John Carney, et cetera. Um, the average price of gas in one California county soars to soared to seven point seven nine. I've not seen eight yet, and people send me gas station photos constantly. It's like a regular thing that uh, say people like to send me pictures of how much gas is in their neighborhood. I've not seen eight. Um, but we'll see. Biden is apparently frustrated by the inability to lower gas prices. Inability. Is that something? This is one of the untold scandals of this administration. And uh, I will eventually do a super deep dive where I explain in great detail all of the things Joe Biden is doing. But I will tell you, when you don't tap America's natural resources, you don't prioritize drilling. You don't get more rigs in the ground. Uh, you don't tap natural resources like uh, hydraulic fracturing in places like Pennsylvania, which are uh, basically stifled under Biden. There's so few new permits in order to get our own natural resources. Keystone XL shut down then is going to drive up energy prices, especially when you do have a global crisis like with um, Russia and Ukraine, which is interesting. We covered this at Breitbart that uh, the West is very excited to reject Russian oil while India and China and others are snapping up the supply. Imagine that. More ruthless places who are feel more desperate and don't have time to mess around, make their oil purchases about uh, ideology. It's very interesting where some places are just, are just so obsessed with uh, ideology with regards to some things, but not others. Um, I continue to be obsessed with the Saudi-backed golf league, the Live Golf League, where just the journalism world is apoplectic that PGA Tour players would uh, go and seek money from the Saudi government, who it will pay them a lot of money to golf. But they have no outrage over the 20-year deal the PGA has with China, and uh, they have no uh, uh, they have no outrage over the fact the PGA had already worked with the Saudi government and other stuff. It just, the list goes on. I mean, they canceled Trump's tournaments. They canceled Trump's PGA championship. So ideologically opposed to Trump, the most, arguably the most popular political figure we got. And the most unpopular in some ways, but maybe the most popular. But uh, hey, you want to take that Saudi money? Now now we got a problem because of Khashoggi. It just, people are so hypocritical. It's just so ridiculously hypocritical. So it is, a lot of countries are not. Um, which I don't always think is 
born of virtue is born of ruthlessness. It's just the way we are. All right. Um, let's see here. All right. Quick water break. Quick water break. All right. So let's see. The inflation gas prices are impacting the midterm elections more than January the 6th, according to a poll. I don't think any of you are surprised with this. Uh, but this is the searches for economic related issues versus January the 6th related issues. I mean, there's no comparison. It's, you know, maybe 10 times more. We're seeing people are much more concerned with, with inflation, etc. And we've got all eyes on the Federal Reserve, which will be considering whether or not they're going to do a planned 50 basis point hike, which is uh, a, a hawkish hike. That's a big hike this week in interest rates. But now there is even a chance that there is going to be a 75 uh, basis point hike, which is huge. And this is something that's increasing in terms of the people who bet on everything. So now we have a, a future betting odds. Like people just bet on everything these days. And now the chances of people are betting that's going to be a 30% uh, chance now of a 75% basic point hike. And um, one top uh, a global analyst has predicted a 100 basis point hike in order to surprise the market and would also be perhaps good PR. The Fed is not behind the curve on this uh, complex issue. So Americans have gotten gloomier and gloomier. The data is unbelievable. Uh, we, we have all the data. I won't read anymore, but it's in our Breitbart News, our Breitbart Business Digest that I write with uh, John Carney. John Carney does most of the work, but uh, we, we confer on it every day. And... Um, uh, it is an important newsletter, I think, to get caught up on everything economic day to day. So probably not coincidental that Joe Biden's approval has plummeted to 38%, which is a record low for the Rasmussen Reports poll. This approval now at 60%. 74% believe the country's on the wrong track. I would like to interview anyone in the 21% who thinks the country's on the right track. Just I don't know who that would be. I guess it would be super woke people who don't want us drilling for oil. I guess that would be it, right? So just 33% approve Joe Biden in a civics poll. That is pretty wild. Um, which is the, the I think um, Quinnipiac does that. Is, that. is that how it goes? I think so. Yeah, Quinnipiac uh, puts together the civics poll. Biden's at 27% in Texas. Good luck there, Beto. That, that'll be an interesting race to watch. One economist who appeared on CBS over the weekend, chief economic advisor for Allianz, um, Mohammed El Arian, has warned that inflation could reach 9%. Nice. So what is America really working on right now, considering all of these bad things? Well, more woke stuff. NPR is now referring to women as people who menstruate. And uh, the context, the tampon shortage that's going on. Um, I, I love the tweet here. This is so epic. Again, I would love to track down the person who wrote this tweet, and I would love to interview them on the show. Here is the tweet from NPR. Tampons, a necessity for many. Wow, thank you for that observation, NPR. Incredible. Tampons, a necessity for many, are becoming harder and harder to find. People who menstruate 
are saying it's hard to find tampons or store shelves across the U.S. right now as supply chain upsets reach the feminine care aisle. This is one of the most unbelievable, just to analyze this tweet. Uh, tampons a necessity for many, obvious. Recovering hard to find. People who menstruate, which is now replace women. So you don't say women. So our government now does not refer to women. We refer to people who menstruate, implying men can menstruate which means uh, being a woman is meaningless. There is nothing There is nothing to, uh, if this is true, if you cannot define, at least admit people who have a menstrual period are women, then being a woman means nothing anymore, according to the US government, which runs NPR. And saying it's harder and harder to find tampons on the store shelves across the US right now. Uh, they just wrote it's harder to find. So, and then the next sentence, it's hard to find them. Wow. This is a great writer. And why the supply chain crisis has hit the feminine care aisle. Amazing. Who's responsible for this? Uh, I'll tell you, I got a feeling it's some of the same people who uh, have uh, changed the definition of uh, people who menstruate from women to simply people who menstruate. That's just me. Nice. Um, Biden's budget, as you recall, removed the word mother and referred to birthing people. So men can also give birth. Just know that. Just know that. The male uterus is a powerful thing. Ladies, gentlemen, and birthing peoples and people who menstruate. Nancy Pelosi was on RuPaul's Drag Race. Your freedom of expression of yourself in drag is what America is all about. See, this is the thing that is interesting to me that if drag culture, which is supposed to be very counterculture, it's supposed to be a real two middle fingers to the sky and to society. Uh, and, and I didn't even get the impression RuPaul was a lefty until recently. I think RuPaul might have gotten broken by Trump. But I had heard through the grapevine RuPaul was not of that political persuasion. When you have the 82-year-old ultimate establishmentarian speaker of the house on your drag show, uh, first of all, it is a, I guess it's a sign that you won culturally, which there's a strong case to be made that the woke crowd's already won. It's game over. And this would be an example of that. Um, but, I mean, what, what is less counterculture than Nancy Pelosi? She's the, she's the least countercultural individual on the planet, aside from maybe Joe Biden. Yeah, I guess it must be the declaring victory thing. Fox News has, has promoted transgender a transgender child in an LGBTQ plus Pride Month special. Fox News promoted a story of a trans child who switched genders at five years old as part of the network's LGBTQ plus Pride Month. Very ironic considering uh, people want to raise, you know, Second Amendment rates. I mean, Second Amendment age where you can, you know, where your gun rights kick in. But uh, we can decide, even though you're biologically a boy, that, hey, I'm really a girl when you're five. We're supposed to just like all uh, golf clap and provide hormone replacement therapy. It's so insane. And Fox is in on it now. So a big celebration over on Fox for this. Um, this is a person, Brian, Brian Yanus is the reporter on this. 
and I don't even need to give the name of this person who's now a teenager, but uh, they were described as now living their true, their authentically and true, living authentically and true to himself. Uh, the the trans obsession indoctrination in our schools maybe this will be what it takes what takes them them down which the schools are such a disgrace they need such an upgrade an update maybe this will be what does it because it's just a, how could you tune into this stuff how could you send your kids and risk that this could happen to them I uh, th- that is where I don't totally get. Uh, one of those popular stories hit at Breitbart News yesterday was Christina Aguilera, who, aging pop star, donned a bejeweled plastic penis and mind masturbating at an all-ages L.A. Pride performance. The image is unbelievable. Um, we have it at Breitbart.com. You can look at it. At one point, another woman grabs her fake penis Obviously, a desperate ploy to get covered. We're happy to oblige her. This is going to be, I guess, the new model for aging pop stars. And Madonna's done this a fair bit, which is disappointing. Because Madonna, at her best, I think, was pretty much peak pop visionary. Um, And then now, this is is the model. It's just be as gross as possible. Be as disgusting as possible. Be as hypersexualized. And uh, try to be edgy. But remember, uh, sexiness is out now. Sexiness is out. Um, and you know, you used to sometimes look to pop culture for sexiness. That's not in right now. What's in now is a, a de- degradation, debasement of people and vulgarities, which they can be fun if well-timed, but this is not fun. This is just trying to create a chaotic world for young people to grow up in. Gotta be pretty diligent on this stuff. It, it, it would almost be funny if you didn't know what was behind it, but what is behind it is all so dark. So I wish I had more good news on this front, but I do not. Disney has uh, a lesbian kiss in their new Buzz Lightyear show. If I was making up these headlines, some of you would think these are jokes, but they're real. Pixar animated feature Lightyear has a lesbian kiss in it. Uh, it's something I throw the Toy Story movies on in my house sometimes, and they're good. They're really good. And like, why is Disney doing this? And their stock is just tanking absolutely through the floor, and they won't stop. They won't stop. It's now at ninety-five dollars. Uh, it has not been under a hundred dollars in. Um, it was for one brief moment in twenty twenty, uh, but that's it. Of last five years, it was just for about five minutes, and then it was. Um, and then it was back up over it. So less than a month in 2020. And other than that, it, you know, at the height of the pandemic um, or at the height of the lockdown, um, stock sell off. Uh, and that's it over the last uh, five years. And then now it's, it's under a hundred dollars. It's the, why is this? Uh, it's less than 50% of its peak from just a year ago because they keep putting lesbian kisses and as a sucker punches in our movies for kids or kids movies. Sports Illustrated accused, has accused a praying high school football coach of eroding a bedrock of American democracy. That is something else. 
because he likes to pray during the game. And a bedrock of American democracy is not having a prayer during game. You were a Judeo-Christian country, Sports Illustrated. Which a conglomerate on Sports Illustrated? I'm sure a really good one. Owned by the Authentic Board Brands Group. I'm going to look into that. See what that's about. Uh, does not understand this country. If that's the case, which I, who knows? It's maybe just one ignorant person. But we're all ignoramuses now. Oh, ignoramuses. I'm sorry. Misspoke. Um, a few more quick ones. I'm going to open up to anything on your mind. 866-95-PATRIOT. Smuggler allegedly forced migrant to shoot porn in a Texas stash house. This is an industry that's enabled by the Biden government and previously Republican administrations who didn't take border security seriously. So the cartels have created a massive industry and it includes a smuggled alien forced to shoot porn in a Texas stash house. No doubt to, I'm sure, get uh, make some money for the cartels. I'm sure that will be what will happen if that story is investigated. We'll not make any front pages, of course, other than Breitbart's. Green Jean-Pierre, the overly impressive White House press secretary, says that she doesn't have anything new for the press pool on the baby formula shortage. I've been on the lookout. I have not seen a single tub of any of um, Duchess Marlowe's baby formula over the last, I think, three or four weeks, probably since we've seen a tub. Um, Very scary as a parent. I think I've got enough at least for the next few months, but it is scary. I don't know uh, how sick babies is not front page news every day, but he, this is how I don't have anything new for you. Thanks, White House. Appreciate it. What about those miracle uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory golden tickets that they had for whoever could get the three pallets of formula they got from overseas? Some bad, more bad news. Democrat led House passed gun controls that wouldn't have stopped uh, Evaldi. And we're moving forward with a Senate gun control agreement. School safety, deeper record search for gun buyers under 21. A lot of this is actually not in a vacuum, not horrible. Um, they're going after straw purchases, which makes sense. That's where you buy a gun for someone who should not be allowed to have a gun. Um, that should be illegal. They want to crack down on that. Uh, they want to have more red flag law incentives, which is if applied normally, I don't think anyone would have any objections to red flag laws. We, none of us want guns in the hands of bad guys. Um, but red flag logs failed in Buffalo and we're very afraid that they can be applied. You know, Eric Swalwell was out there suggesting to apply red flag laws on a top conservative commentator, which is exactly what I said is going to happen is they're going to start not even a Trump supporter. So my, my point is, is that this is what you're going to see is that people, once the red flag laws are in place, they're going to be applied. They're going to just diagnose, you know, liking Trump as a mental condition and then you won't be able to get guns. So that's why I'm a pretty much an absolutist on the second amendment is because I'm afraid of this stuff, the, where the slippery slope could go. But in a vacuum, this stuff, I guess, wouldn't be horrible. Uh, deeper record searches for people shooting guns. Again, no one wants the bad guys to have guns to, to get new guns. But I don't think that this stuff is really going to stop the school shootings. What's going to stop school shootings is armed and trained teachers. And I think you can add to the mix, uh, hold the parents accountable. You start rounding up some of the parents who've raised the worst kids in the world and making life difficult for them after their kid goes out and executes a bunch of other people, then I think that could make a difference. And I'm becoming more and more convinced we should consider that. 
Um, I think it would make a lot of negligent parents think a second time. But a bipartisan gun deal is announced, but it does not include assault weapons ban, no raise minimum rifle age. Uh, Biden says it's not enough. Democrats will say it's not enough. But also the New York Times had a pretty uh, interesting way of framing it that Democrats didn't get enough, but they got more than what they expected, which is probably exactly correct. All right, Colin Wayne has an amazing story, nearly killed in Afghanistan and then went on to become a steel uh, magnate and a social media influencer and all around interesting and cool guy trying to use his uh, celebrity and success for a good goal. And uh, we get into a lot in the discussion of his take on what's really affecting the economy and what we can do about it. Let's roll it. Colin, I, let me ask you, I want to ask you about Flag Day, a few other topics, but um, I steel industry, you guys have got to be getting hit pretty hard with some of the energy crisis that we're going through. It just must cost a fortune to move the steel around the country and as gas soars. How hard is everything? How is your business getting hit right now? And Alex, thank you for having me again. It's an honor to be here uh, to, to, I guess, bluntly answer the question. The steel industry is hit extremely hard, especially thin gauge steel. So we use 16 gauge through 20 gauge mild cold rolled temper pass steel. And it's domestic, so it's it's made at Nucor, one of the largest steel mills in America. And there's a lot of companies that outsource um, just because of you know the, the amount of uh, cost savings that could take place, but we take pride of our products being sourced domestic and made right here. Um, one of the bigger challenges that we have is even finding thin gauge steel in general. So, for instance, like we're having to source um, truckloads, coils. We buy millions of pounds for context. And the local suppliers, the demand is high enough building the infrastructure that their, their, their run cycle times make more sense for them to run very, very thick gauge material. The CRU index is the highest that it's ever been uh, in the history of America from a percentage standpoint year over year. Uh, which is over 400 plus percent. Uh, so imagine a five by 10 sheet when President Trump was in office at, I'm just going to say $50 a sheet. Now it's over $200 a sheet. And all of that could take, took place within uh, an 18 month time period. So, so multiple challenges, uh, not only the cost of inflation uh, of the steel itself by 400%, which is unprecedented, but now I'm having to trouble finding domestic steel and we're having to pay wow. even more uh, for the freight to bring it in from other states all the way up in Michigan um, just to find thin gauge steel. So we've, we've been forced to pivot into different uh, deposits. So aluminum um, uh, is, is one that we looked into and that, that we're using right now on our website. Um, and then as well as like vinyl and we're getting into canvas um, vinyl decals, which are really cool um, applications. And so we're, we're kind of being forced into doing, I guess, being comfortable in an uncomfortable area. And that's where growth comes from. But it's between that and giving up. And I'm not going to give up. I'm a fighter. 
Wow. It's such a, is, do you see any quick solutions that could come, you know, top down, come from Washington, come from deregulation that would make your life a lot easier? You know, I think, I think there's multiple solutions that could take place. I, you know, we pay uh, a substantial amount as an employee for uh, just payroll taxes in general, finding great uh, employees you know, and, and keeping them and sustaining them, it's hard as a small business to compete uh, with, let's just say McDonald's, when they have a $500 sign-on bonus and it's, you know, $18 an hour, $20 an hour. I'm in Alabama for context. You know, for, for general labor, somebody sweeping a floor, I want them to make a fair living wage, but inflation, steel cost, uh, even shipping rates, you know, we, we processed over a million orders. Uh, the post office still raised our shipping rates it's this is net this is like so many different facets that you're hit and, and these are uh these are federal uh we could have abatements we have to protect manufacturing is the backbone of this nation and we're we're a country that is so dependent on other nations to to find sourced goods that if you were to walk into any large retailer uh, most of your home is made from products that are not here in the United States. So sure. there should absolutely be more manufacturing incentives uh, for domestic suppliers that are that are even sourcing uh, domestically in general because it feeds the entire ecosystem uh, from the fulfillment distribution side, the, the manufacturing aspect, uh, the direct goods to either uh, the business or the direct consumer um, I would say that from the, the, the job labor side, I would, from a federal, I would rather take a tax credit and instead of paying 35% in, in taxes in addition to what I'm paying on payroll tax, reimburse that to my employees so that they're making an even better wage. Because I would much rather pay my employees than to pay the tax that I'm forced to, t to pay. Right, of course. And so then it's a benefit to the end, uh, my, my employees, it feeds the ecosystem from, you know, a, I guess you could call it a stimulus bump, but then it's not a, you're not taking away anything. Um, maybe they'll have to source funding for goldfish in China somewhere else on R&D. Yeah, I think this is a very interesting thing with the tax code that is always worth pointing out over and over again is the more the entrepreneur is paying, then the less it gets into the pockets of the people who he employs and it's just a reality of life that that is just how it goes and i just i, I know i feel the same way myself as when my taxes go up i'm paying fewer people to do stuff that help me so it's just something that is a in a moment of crisis like this we got to feel like we got creative got to get creative ways to keep things turning and i just don't know if we're doing enough um it's the, the what other what other uh, do you see any other complications that are being imposed on us that you think we could avoid if we were just more sensible in trying to come up with solutions versus just kind of pointing at Putin and just saying everything's Putin's fault? Well, I, I don't think anything has to do. I think he's the cover story, but I think that we're doing this to ourselves. Um, I think that, you know, I did a post a few days ago on social media about um, forced term limits. And really, I mean, I, I think that if you're above, if there's a cap, so for instance, I'm 32 years old, I can't run to be a president, but I'm extremely competent. 
you know, even though I may not be highly educated, I don't have a Harvard degree. I'm a high school dropout, for instance. But I made staff sergeant at 22 years old, uh, landed 50-plus magazine covers without a PR firm all the way in Huntsville, Alabama, without having to be in L.A. Uh, my company has done over $100 million in revenue. I can't run for president, but my competent level to run an organization is much higher than what's in, what's in office currently. There should be an age cap if there's an age cap for minimums, there should be an age cap for, for maximums. And I would say that's, let's just put a threshold number on it. I'm going to say 70 years old and a two-term limit. That's it. And I don't care if, because you could always have on the left side or the right side, that's a fair mark. Uh, to, because you could always have, well, this person's competent. Well, no, he's not. He's not competent. He's not all there. But a doctor that's on salary is going to do what's told you know what's interesting is that we've got a country that is was seen at least or maybe still is as the cool place to to live and the most desirable place in the world to be it still seems like that and, and yet we're run by people who are incredibly old i mean it's just i'm not saying i don't want to bring too much ageism into this because i think it's values more than age but it is just unbelievable if you look at the cast of characters who are guiding this country right now it is a the elephant in the room that they're they are aging and they are not with the program and i don't think they can relate to a lot of what normal americans are going through and that's the problem with establishments you people get in they and they don't ever there's no churn then it, it, we could get a situation like where we're in now, where just all these people cannot relate to the problems that are facing so many of us. Amen. That's it. 100% you hit the nail on the head, Alex. I think that's exactly uh, the challenges that we're currently facing. The world's changing rapidly. And if the people in office aren't <laughs> and they, they keep aging and they don't know how to use an iPhone properly, then, you know, it's that much more challenging to for a general public to even understand or comprehend. I think I think instead of like hiring, not I, you know, I don't think there should ever be career politicians, but I think that you know we need to get back to hiring teachers and public servants in general, no matter what capacity. That's what America is. It's serving those through selfless service acts. And, and not a what's in it for me mentality. So your teachers, your law enforcement, your military, like these are the guys that should be in office because they're 100% uh, relatable and they understand what's currently happening to most Americans on the lower or middle class. Um, we need more of that. Uh, Carl, I want to get into some of your work you're doing on uh, Flag Day and for veterans, but I got a couple more uh, economy stories because I do like to talk to people who are living some of the stuff that I'm reporting on every day. Uh, we've got small business expectations for the near future at a 48-year low. Uh, why do you think they've gotten that gloomy? I mean, that's real bad. It is. It's it's uh, stagflation at its worst. I mean, you know, there we've we've we've. <laughs> I believe that it starts, it's going to get worse decades to come because of how we're actually touching the youth currently. So taking God out of the schools, um, there's so many different facets of it, but um, you know, it's, it's a consumer market from a behavior standpoint. I know home goods um, it, it's down 24% on Q1. I haven't looked at Q2 data yet, but it's a substantial difference through this uh, affiliate group that we work with, 240,000 uh, different billions of website views through this group. 
and uh, seeing a substantial drop uh, within the, the home goods industry, um, which is connected back to, you know, uh, the end consumer merchants uh, do not have the disposable income uh, that, that's needed because everything is, else is going up. Uh, cost of gas, you know, now you're at $9, $7 a gallon. Um, and it just never ends. Everything else is up, rent and, you know, everything across the board. Uh, next, let me ask you about, uh, do you think that steel tariffs should be lifted? I, I think absolutely. I think that, oh, well, lifted? Um, no, what President Trump put in place was probably one of the best things that could ever happen. It forces companies that are outsourcing to pay it more of a premium so that it can be competitive within the United States. You know, we saw when President Trump put that in office back in 2017, um, our costs went up on steel, uh, but about three quarters later, it ended up being the lowest it ever was in the history of my company. So I, I think that there should be more um, tariffs that are in place and, and making it even more challenging to outsource. Give me what you think is the uh, how inflation is affecting your business. Have you had to raise prices, and if so, how are consumers reacting? We we've um, well, I mean, for transparency, I mean, I, I haven't paid myself in over eighteen months, and I'm fine with that. Um, it's it's been a challenge, you know, just like most business owners, we're, we're hit not only with the inflation side, but you know, your, your entire attribution of tracking models, Apple, Google, it's, uh, Facebook, um, it's going to get worse. And it's going to get extremely more challenging for business owners uh, that, are, that are selling products direct to consumer online. Um, we have had to raise prices uh, to some degree, but we want to be fair market. You know, one of, one of our big market acquisition strategies is um, it, it's something that I live by, and that's people over profit. And that's um, partnering with nonprofits, humanitarians, and philanthropy givebacks. Um, so that, that's one way for us to acquire customers by simply giving something away for free and, and, and then also donating directly to that nonprofit. So we're able to acquire new customers at, call it a break even. Uh, or we're really lose money on the front end, but we're not paying Facebook a premium or some other big tech company. And so, you know, doing things like this, that's a little against the grain outside of the box is a way that we're able to continue to sustain. You know, we just partnered with uh, Dolph Lundgren with Memorial Day. And that was our third annual Memorial Day give back. And uh, we were able to donate over half a million dollars this year uh, to honor our, our nation's military. And, um, I, I believe just wholeheartedly, uh, being a Christian, that when you give without that expectation, God's going to return at times 10. I live by it. Uh, I know that people are hit hard across the nation. Um, and, 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 you know, even from raising my cost, it's, it's minimal. It's enough for us to continue to keep the lights on because I'm, I don't want to make it more challenging with people on a fixed income. And, and that's our demographic primarily. Women, we have over a million customers uh, primarily women, 40 to 65 plus Christian conservative married homeowners. You think about that demographic, it's uh, primarily retired teachers and nurses and um, those that are pretty static income. And while inflation across the nation is 10 to 12, 15 percent higher, 
that that variable in itself will stop people from from making purchases. So, uh, you know, I am forced to raise costs, but it's not to put it back into my pocket. Um, and that's where a lot of businesses, you know, with executives that are drawing, drawing extremely high salaries while everybody else is suffering. Um, shame on them. You know, it should yeah. be people first. I believe Call in Wayne. Carl Wayne's with me, Army veteran, founder and CEO of Redline Steel, and uh, you should miss his social media accounts, uh, Colin Wayne one on Twitter and Instagram. I heard you just got out of Facebook jail. What happened? <laughs> yeah, you can't, you know, it's uh, freedom of speech isn't free. You got to watch what you do and say, and um, yeah, they'll get you, and anybody can report anything, and you know, it's, uh, it's, um, I don't know. It's a tech war. It's it's challenging because I need these platforms for direct to consumer marketing, but I can't sure. stand them. And so it's a catch twenty two. Yeah. And, and the challenge is, you know, you know, like President, uh, former President Trump launching Truth. You know, I, I think there's a bigger problem that's going to take place. Whether that's, you know, he's going to have to build his own servers because Amazon, Google, they're not going to allow that. You know, and then internet, and then cell phones. There's going to be restrictions on top of restrictions that take place, just to censor and and, and keep control, if you will. I, I love what Elon's doing. It's disruptive. It's different. And from a social side, I love the callouts um, that's being taken place. Uh, so, I, I think we need more people like Elon Musk that's not afraid to step up and say, "Hey, this is what's." What, uh, this is exactly what what we need. Why are we uncovering this, or why aren't we uh, shedding light more into these areas? Um, Carl, let me ask you about some of the work you're doing with veterans and uh, on behalf of our country. Let's start with the Dolph Lundgren news. Are you guys going to raise money for USA Cares and veterans? Explain this to us. Yeah, absolutely. So this is our third annual year. The first two years partnered with uh, Megan Fox, and we were able to donate uh, millions of dollars uh, back to uh, our, our military soldier memorial is, is the piece. So Memorial Day for me is extreme. It's one of those days that I have never in the history of my company or any company that I've owned or been a part of uh, monetized. Uh, I almost got killed in Afghanistan back uh, May 3rd, 2012. And after that near-death experience, um, I came back, so I was on a very small base over, it was only about 80 people on the entire base near Pakistan, and a rocket impacted a few feet from me, and um, at that time I had my son, and he would have grew up without a dad, and I came back to Huntsville, I was at an award ceremony, and um, I met someone that was on my military base who's no longer here, he was killed in Afghanistan, and I met his two children, uh, they were both um, under six years old. And that day in particular for me, Memorial Day, is not a day to monetize. And I think that we've devalued the meaning and the true understanding of what Memorial Day is. It's not about me as a veteran. It's about those that aren't here. People like Captain Chip Ramsey, whose kids no longer are here. Um, it's about honoring them and giving back. So this year we partnered with, uh, with Dolph Lundgren and uh, we, we raise money for USA Cares, which is a nonprofit that provides financial support to those veterans and veteran uh, family members who are on the on the verge of getting ev evicted. And so they're able to bridge that gap 
and help them find some type of ongoing, it's not a Band-Aid on a tourniquet. It's not just a free handout. It's, uh, they're happy to help, but they want to take it a step further and help organize or help these veterans find a sustainable income and, and jobs. Um, so that's, that was uh, an honor to work with Dolphin. Um, it's, uh, we've, we've got some other exciting news in store. Uh, Colin, let me ask you about Flag Day, uh, which is today. And how do you, uh, what do you think is the meaning of Flag Day for people? And what is something that people in this audience can do to have a commemoration? Yeah, so um, if you go to redlinesteel.com, you can use code FLAG30 at checkout. It'll save 30% off. Um, but Flag Day to me is it's independence. It's this is freedom. This is everything that America should stand for and everything that I fought for. Um, we've, we've got beautiful flags, uh, steel, canvas, aluminum. We've even got desk uh, decor signs that are flags. Actually, President Trump purchased a flag from us uh, at the White House when I went to Made in America Week. Um, he sent me a letter. I'll, I'll email it over to you, Alex. It's really cool because he uh, signs it and uh, it's on his White House letterhead, and he he tells me thank you for uh, the flag and that he loves it. Um, but but he bought a Conus flag, and it says um, God bless America in it, and that that was a really special moment. I I made him a flag, and he didn't want to he didn't want to buy it, or I'm sorry he didn't I'm sorry I, I said that wrong. He did not uh, want me to give it to him. He said, Colin, when I leave the White House, I want to bring it with me. And so that was so touching to know that, you know, I don't know the politician rules for gifting, but, you know, he said that it would belong to the White House if it were a gift and he didn't want it to be a gift. He wanted to take it with him. And so that was that was a really touching moment to know that, you know, he he truly supports um, small businesses and manufacturing, which is why he put on Made in America Week, which has not taken place under this administration at all um so that's unfortunate but flag day to me is freedom it's independence um and, and then just on a personal side it's it's a really cool because president trump purchased that flag and i just wanted to gift it to him why do you think that made in america is not being prioritized right now it even just feels like even you know some political lip service to it would would be helpful because it's just who disagrees that we would rather make stuff in america this is just so so unbelievable especially because to kind of bring the conversation um back to a topic we touched on earlier biden's been in office a thousand years it's he so he doesn't yes. want to encourage i mean he's been in office for, he doesn't like this country like he doesn't care about this country we're just all part of some sort of globalist um uh, some sort of globalist experiment at this point? I think so. I mean, honestly, I mean, he's, he's talked about, um, you know, the, the economic reform on the global side, uh, everything under one centralized unit. Uh, that's what they're wanting for, you know, uh, this entire, I don't want to say the C word, but everything is being brought to this nation based on <laughs> to, for having a global reform. You know, I, I think that it's um, it's disheartening as uh, alumni uh, with the the last ever in-person event that President Trump put on before COVID hit uh, that there hasn't been one in the past that to previous. Um, uh, and I, I don't see that this would happen. You know, next month 
Um, in July will be uh, a redemption chance. You know, he could have blamed the past couple times on COVID, couldn't do it. We'll see what happens. Uh, we wrote him a letter last year, um, and uh, yeah, there was there was really no 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 statement uh, in regards to it. I would think that they would want to honor domestic suppliers, though. Uh, if you really care about this nation, why wouldn't you? So that, that's a great, great point. Um, yeah. Colin Wayne, really appreciate it, and we'll do this again. Colin Wayne one on Twitter and Instagram. Also check out his Facebook. He's out of jail. Redlinesteel.com. dot <laughs> com, and um, does a lot of great stuff for veterans. And go ahead and plug um, what you're doing with Dolph Lundgren again. Make sure people know where to where to find you. Absolutely. So if you go to redlinesteel.com, you'll see the uh, one of the, the the tabs is for our Memorial Day. Uh, give back uh, where we donate uh, directly back to USA Cares. You can also claim a soldier memorial, which is an honorary tribute piece uh, that's that Redline donates back for for free. Um, you can also read more about USA Cares and also watch the uh, the live stream that Dolph Lundgren and I uh, did uh, on our website redlinesteel.com. Also, I'm on LinkedIn finally got back in there it's like it's crazy because i got over four million followers across social media but like linkedin i only have like 1700 connections and it's like man i've been i've been slacking yeah on the the linkedin side so i gotta figure that out <laughs> well, well good for you mark are extraordinaire as well so colin i really appreciate it. always good to talk to you and we'll catch up soon yes sir sounds good thank you caller of today today is frank in texas we discussed something that i've been uh, putting on the uh, audience's radar on the live show and sirius xm patriot for a while that i do think it's time to start holding some parents accountable when their kids i don't know uh get guns and shoot up schools uh, i think that could be a better use of our time than discussing a lot of unrelated gun controls which is what always happens during these moments of national peril and uh, i kind of escalated that a little bit in the opening of the show today and caller frank was one of several callers to respond to it let's hear what he has to say hey alex so i have uh, like one quick point on the guy that called in about the parent parental responsibility I understand what he's saying, and as a former policeman, I, I was the one that worked, worked in Bell Gardens for 10 years. So you and I, again, I, we shared some of the same dirt, sure. more or less. Yeah, but, we did. Um, I, I used to see it a lot where the teachers would report kids for child abuse, and then you start talking to the kid, and you, know, and you ask them, well, did you misbehave? Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying all the cases were that way. But my point being is, I don't believe the federal government should get involved um, where uh, a child has access or gains access wow. to a firearm because wow. of the, you know, the uh, the uh, the parent not properly locking the gun up or whatever. I think this, and the state the states are the ones that should actually get involved in that. But you know, being a firearm owner comes with responsibility, and part of that responsibility is making sure that young kids don't have access to loaded firearms. Frank, and Frank, this is a terrific point, and, and let, let me share. Let me share a couple personally. I mean, I'm going to give you some more time, obviously, but the, the I just want to share how because it's really hitting close to home for me. 
because um, we had um, the we uh, we had a couple. I, I, I had this thought a couple times. Um, there was a time I think it was about a year ago. Um, I was breaking the news it just came out, and I was doing some speaking, uh, and I was across the country. And um, uh, Master Marlow Jr. had fallen somehow and had gotten hurt. And um, he was with a, a, a family friend who was an older woman, not the type of person who's, you know, going to lay, lay hands on a one-year-old. Um, and uh, Mrs. Dr. Marlow had to take him to the hospital. It turned out he was fine. But it was she was asked the whole day uh, to try to inquire to see if anyone had actually tried to hurt my son and it was you know the only two adults who'd been in the room with him were you know the the mom and um who's medical doctor and kindly old woman and still the whole day it asked about it everywhere in the hospital another round of questioning um and i'd have thought uh the master Marlowe fell and bumped his lip recently and um, you know, he was by himself in his room or playing with his brother in his room. And I was wondering, am I going to get asked about this at school? Because it doesn't look good. And it's just a bump on the lip. But it's the it is it, inquiring minds want to know about this stuff with young kids because we're supposed to as a society. It takes a village. Right, Frank? Did we learn that from Hillary Clinton? We want to keep our uh. kids safe. And, and sometimes you might want to ask what's up. So why can't we ask if your kid is on the verge of shooting up a school if the parents are involved and keep an eye on stuff? We can ask when they get a bump on the nose, but we can't ask uh, whether or not they're you know, sending threatening texts to classmates that if you don't go on a date with me, then something bad is going to happen, stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, um, you know, on all of those points. I just think that when they... <sighs> You know, the whole takes it takes a village. I just think the education, uh, the people and edu- teachers, more or less, um, have gone over overboard with all of that. You know, it, it's just, and that's. I'm not saying in all cases. Like I said, I mean, I, I could tell you, I don't have time for it, but there's many cases of child abuse I investigated that were completely valid. But again, of course, you know, we're dismissing the fact that some kids. Yeah, I mean, I, I physically disciplined my own kids, whether they it was spanking them or standing them in a corner or whatever, and those things now are being classified as being abusive to your child. So, yeah, yeah this is the result of it. I mean, if you don't teach kids limits, they don't have any limits, and they're going to keep pushing the limit. You know it. You're a parent. Kids push the limits all the time. They do. You know, and at some point you have to be firm with them and say, no, you're not doing this or there's consequences. Yeah, thanks, Frank. You know, there's a point with a child where you do have an obligation as a parent that you have to be able to physically restrain a child from doing something bad. If he could harm himself or others there, you have to be able to do that, even if that's just holding him while he calms down or her or uh, she, he, she, zer, z. Whatever your pronoun is, I mean, there is a point where that you are are allowed to make sure your child doesn't physically hurt people. So that's what I'm saying. We need to, if we're really serious about this stuff, we're going to have some of these difficult conversations. But we're not really into that, are we? We don't really want a difficult conversation. What do we want? We want to uh, pass pass gun controls or pass whatever legislation fits our previously held political worldview. That's it. That's what we like to do. That's why I want to push gun controls have nothing to do with the recent mass shootings. And we don't want to have any difficult conversations about whether or not actually would be beneficial to do uh, something that might conflict with your preconceived political notions. I got American parts. I got American.
That's all for today's show. Thanks to producers Haley and Greg Evan and Robert Marlowe, who helped me pick topics. And to all of you who have told 10,000 friends and family members about Brightport News Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow. In my heart.